I'm very excited about what we're doing in electrification. I'm very excited about where Ontario and Quebec specifically are positioned. But I'm not naive to the fact that if North America doesn't succeed, then we will fail because our entire market is the American market. 80% of what we make gets sold down here. Welcome to Canusa Street, a podcast at the intersection of the issues and policies between Canada and the United States. Here are your hosts, Scotty Greenwood and Chris Sands. Welcome back to Canusa Street, everybody. I'm Scotty Greenwood with the Canadian American Business Council, joined as always by Chris Sands of the Woodrow Wilson Center. Hey, Chris. Hi, Scotty. Good to see you. Good to see you. And this week we have an interesting episode um, of Canusa Street. It's Canusa Street on the Road. And we were in Georgia, or I was in Georgia, I should say, for a pretty exciting get-together. I'm sorry you weren't with us, but we managed to capture the audio from from our event, which we'll describe in a second. And uh, we're going to play that for our listeners here. The topic is Project Arrow and electric vehicles. So maybe you can talk a little bit about uh, my partner in crime for the for the audio we're about to hear. Scotty, you had a great conversation with Flavio Volpe, who is the head of the Automotive Parts Manufacturers Association of Canada, which is Canada's national association representing OEM producers of parts, equipment, tools, supplies, and services for the worldwide automotive industry. He's long been a champion of Canada's globally relevant automotive sector and is dedicated to the growth of Canada's automotive innovation, the development of new markets, and the leveraging of its international leadership. And that brought you and him together to talk about Project Arrow, which is one of the most exciting things happening now in Canada on the automotive side. Well, that's right, Chris. And so just to set the uh, context for everybody, um, we were in Peachtree Corners, Georgia, which is uh, in Gwinnett County, a suburb of Atlanta, to orient you. And Peachtree Corners, the the city um, leaders decided to form something called Curiosity Lab. And Curiosity Lab is a partnership. It's a living lab where companies and people and engineers and innovators get together to figure out what does the future look like. And, um, and so that was the, that was where we were. We were actually in the city hall of Peachtree Corners, right in the heart of the Curiosity Lab. And the group that brought us together, um, the, well, I should say the spark for it is Louise Blay. Louise is a former Canadian diplomat. Uh, she now works both with Peachtree Corners and with uh, Canadian businesses and U.S. businesses. And, and Louise and Flavio got together, I think, a year ago when Flavio was talking about this Project Arrow. Project Arrow being a, a concept car that is all Canadian, uh, by all of the auto parts manufacturers putting together the most technologically advanced thing they could think of. So this this thing has bells and whistles. Its chassis was 3D printed. I mean, it is really an interesting thing. And it was, so Louise and Flavio said, we should really debut this um, in a splashy way in the United States to draw attention to the role that Canada can play in the North American electric vehicle future. That was the purpose of the concept car. That's the purpose of the project. And so a bunch of Canadian companies have been working on this for, for a while. And Flavio announced this car, Project Arrow, at the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas. But it hadn't actually been shown rolling on a road until just the other day in Peachtree Corners, Georgia. So it was an exciting moment. And so what the conversation we're about to listen into, Chris, 
is Flavio and me, introduced by Louise and by the leadership in Peachtree Corners at the Curiosity Lab. But Flavio and, and I are talking about kind of how this came to be. And it's it all takes place right before the car rolls in. So that's, uh, that's what it's all about. And uh, maybe we should take a listen. I'm looking forward to it. Let's listen in. So we are about to be treated to a great conversation between friends of mine and friends of friends, I could say, but they always ran into each other at events, state dinners, a little bit around Canada, United States. But I think this is the first time that we have both of these incredible American and Canadian on stage to have a conversation about Project Arrow and what it means for the relationship. Because what, why we're here is really about building the continental edge for EV. And this is really, we'll delve into this in the conversation and I cannot wait, but let me tell you a little bit about um, Scotty Greenwood. And it's different, she's both easy and difficult to introduce because she's done so many things. She's been a diplomat, a CEO, she's an advocate, she's a consultant, and she's an incredible philanthropist. And she is, she founded and built uh, so many organizations, but the Canadian American Business Council, really, you cannot talk about the relationship without them. In Canada, she's a household name and here too. And so we're very pleased to have her here. And really, I'm honored uh, to have you. Thank you so much. Flavio Volpe, I think many of you in the room already know him. I don't need to introduce him. He's the incredible champion of automotive, uh, not just parts, but of people, of what it means to innovate and to create a great ecosystem for, for the field. He is quoted in, by, in the BBC. He's quoted by uh, the New York Times and all the Canadian outlets. He's the go-to person, uh, anyone who wants to know what's happening in the industry today. And he's the really the man behind Project Arrow with the idea that really built it up with his team and, and many of you here in the room. So we're really, really lucky to have him. But he has more American ties than you can possibly know because he's crisscrossed this country more than probably all of you put together. He's a coach. He's a baseball coach. He coaches, he's coached for a long time in the American team while from Canada, and it's, he coaches his son's team as well. He comes to Georgia several times a year. He was here last year for a big tournament. And, you know, of course, he's taking his team to the Braves game tonight. So how, how wonderful is that? So he's really an incredible human being and, uh, and a dear friend. And, and so, so pleased to have you. So may I inv invite you both to come on stage and uh, for the next 45 minutes before we go outside uh, for, for the reveal. Please join us. Scotty Greenwood, Flavio Volpe. How you doing? That song was for Flavio. His name alone deserves that song, don't you think? Wow. <laughs> We're all about the walk-up music. It is so great to be in Georgia. It's great to be in Peachtree Corners. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, Mr. Consul General, the Ontario rep, the Quebec rep, uh, all of your friends from Canada that are here. Not all your friends, they wouldn't fit in this room. Uh, but welcome Canadians. Who here is from Canada? Who here is from Georgia? Who here is from anywhere else? 
Oh, wow. Okay. Anywhere else? We got a posse. Excellent. Um, delighted to be here. And we've got a lot of exciting things to talk about. And Flavio and his team have something uh, very exciting to share with us uh, that we'll talk about in a minute. I don't know if you saw the news uh, yesterday that the U.S. federal government is probably going to announce tomorrow um, the strictest pollution limits on tailpipe emissions in the history of our country. And so the idea, there have already been very strict limits proposed by this government, uh, and they're doubling down. So the announcement, their goal is to have 67% of all new passenger vehicles sold in the United States by 2032, which is not that long from now, will have to be electric. That's, that's an audacious goal. Anybody know what percentage? So 67% in under a decade. Does anybody know here what percentage currently are all electric? 5%, that's right. We got to get from 5%, Flavio, to almost 70% in a hot minute. Europe, Canada, the UK already have ambitious goals. The US is coming in. Um, so I'm really interested in your reaction to this policy climate um, in terms of the electric vehicles. And also, and we can get to this, but the ecosystem required, it's not just building the electric vehicles, but it's also the charging stations, the grid, the secure supply chain. There's a lot to it, and there's a lot to talk about today. Um, before we have the exciting reveal, the, the something that has never been seen in the world before until today. But before I let you go there, let me just say one other thing. Why are we in Peachtree Corners today? Why? It makes, Georgia is an exporting state. Georgia and Canada have a phenomenal relationship. But this is a Canadian product. Why, Mr. Mayor, are we in Peachtree Corners? Well, Peachtree Corners is an amazing place, and as you've heard Curiosity Lab Brandon talk about what's happening here, but the real reason we're here is because of Ambassador Louise Blay. It always takes a person with an idea and a passion, and Louise fell in love with Georgia, uh, so much so that her two kids went to Georgia Tech. Who hears from Georgia Tech? There we go. Who hears Bulldog, by the way, since we shouted? Go dogs. Louise's kids went to Georgia Tech. Louise can't get enough of Georgia. And uh, she works with Curiosity Labs, and she's an unbelievable promoter, so much so that Flavio and I really had no choice. Um, and so we are here because Georgia is incredibly innovative, because Peachtree Corners has an amazing story to tell, but we're also here because it's always about an individual, and that's Louise Blay. Uh, so that's why we're here, Flavio, but back to the original point. How are you going to get to 67% of all new cars sold in the United States electric? How do we do that? You're not. We're not? You're not. <laughs> Breaking news. We're on the record, Flavio. I just wanted to remind you. Yeah. Oh, I've said worse in Canada. Um, we're not, but that's not the point. The point is that the regulator is going to say that's where you need to go, and then when you fail against that, then we'll figure it out. And until then, we're not going to negotiate. And there are reasons I don't, I mean, I think we're all very well, uh, very well versed on why we're going there. Um, but I think we need to embrace that challenge. And the challenge isn't just in the automaker space. 
It's not in a parts maker space, not in a battery space. That's part of the equation. The other half of the equation is municipalities, states, provinces, whoever has uh, jurisdictional uh, authority over energy delivery and generation. Uh, it's in the building code. It's in the culture, you know. Uh, I'm a car guy. I'm an unrepentant car guy. I just ordered a thousand horsepower supercharged V8 made in uh, Toronto. So what car? It's a Dodge Demon 170. And for those of you who know what that is, that is the exact opposite of the car we're going to show you today. And so. <laughs> And, and the car, by the way, you know Flavio is a car guy because of the car that he's going to show us later. Cost, does anybody, and no, nobody who worked on it can answer this. Does anybody want to take a guess of how much Flavio's new toy cost? Good guess. We have 20 million. Any others? Close. 8.2 million. Well, 8.2 million is the is the number we uh, extorted out of our government partners. And so I want to <laughs> say thank you to the ones that are here. But it ended up costing us about 20 million. And there's 20 companies in this room out of million, the, okay. out of the out of the 58 that were on it, the 534 that bid on it, the 230 that demonstrated to us that they had um, a scalable technology ready for the. Uh, 2025 model year and so their contribution is what made this car you're going to see this car it's going to say arrow you're going to think it's our team and and certainly colin led the build and the design and the build of it uh, but it really wouldn't happen if if this group of companies didn't agree that this may be the the best way for us to tell the story of electrification tell, was together and why what why is it important to t what story are you trying to tell so first of all, I, we, we wanted to buy a ticket to the dance to be able to say, hey, I don't think you're going to make your targets. And when I, when That's so Canadian. Right? That's their way of saying, anybody from Georgia know when somebody says, bless your heart? Yeah. That's what Flavio just said to all of us, y'all. I just want to say that right now. It's, the technology is there, and we all know that. And, uh, you know, the, the New York cab company's fleet in 1910 was electric. I mean... The tech is... Really? There. I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. We went to... John Paul and I went to uh, Japan where we met, uh, we visited Mazda's battery partner, Aishin, who has a New York City cab in their front lobby with Aishin batteries. So not only is the, were the, the New York City cabs electric, the batteries came from Japan in this collaborative global effort. Um, but we just picked, for lots of reasons, we, we picked internal combustion. So if you're sitting in front of the regulator and saying... Listen, you're not going to get there, and you're and uh, you haven't tried, and you you can't prove out the difficulties on assembling a vehicle, and technology in that space, and the technology that supports it, and the ecosystem where they live. It's I mean, why would I listen to you? Uh, the flip side is, so so you were looking for credibility with governments. Uh, that and actually and, more and publics maybe. Yeah, and more importantly, where's our friend from Mercedes here? I'm going to pick on him for a second. I wanted to show, where is he? I wanted to be able to Mercedes say... Mercedes for everyone in the room, right? You get a car, you get a car. No? <laughs> yeah. One sixty-fourth scale. But, you know, a company like that that's really kind of leading on electrification, the EQS line is amazing. And, and every time I talk to the people at Mercedes, oh, look what you can get in Canada. They say, okay, well, we don't have an office there, although now we do. I just met one of your people. Um, I said, well, well, why don't we get everybody together? We'll make a car. We'll come to you, which is part of the reason. We're here. And you can repeat that 20 OEMs over. It's a really uh, tangible showcase. 
of, you know, it may be two or three of these companies are new to Mercedes and it might be important to Mercedes and two or three are new to BMW or two or three, and it works. Better than doing a PowerPoint. Why does Georgia, I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't love PowerPoints. Why Georgia? Why is Georgia, why is the southeastern part of the United States um, where it is with the automotive sector? Well, you credited Louise, and I think that's part of the reason. But I credit really, Louise for today. Yeah, I don't give her credit for the entire automotive sector, however. No, Craig but, Lesser might take credit for that. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> if anybody knows Craig. He's not here, so we can talk about him, y'all. But I'll just repeat what Brandon told me last year when he came to see us. So first of all, coming to see us is important. From here to Toronto, I wonder what the point of coming to Toronto was, and I enjoyed the, that he wanted to see us. And we told him about this crazy thing we were making a car, and he believed me, which is... It was rather rare. That was your first mistake. And he talked about the Southeast and said, hey, listen, this is a major automotive cluster that doesn't have a domestic automaker. You know, with apologies to Ford, who's now decided to invest in a region, $11 billion, if you're dealing with American automakers, you're dealing with them in Michigan. And what's the equivalent, what's the equivalency between Georgia and the region and Ontario, where all of automotive production is in Ontario? Well, we don't have Canadian car makers. And so when you invest in Canada and you're Korean, we all become a little bit more Korean, a little bit more German, a little bit more American, a little bit more Japanese. And we work together. The, the cluster supports all of those automakers. And what the Germans have done here together with, uh, you know, American uh, states, investors, the workforce is incredible. And, you know, I mean... I. I say this when I'm in Michigan, so I could say this here in Georgia as well. Uh, although we work very closely, we're very integrated uh, with Michigan as a supply chain. I think there's more equivalency in the southeast with Ontario and Quebec than there is with Michigan, Indiana, Illinois. And, and uh, we'd love uh, to, to promote that north-south link more. You know, um, you do put your money where your mouth is. Um, you see North American Rebound on the on the banner behind me, and you also have a QR code. The North American Rebound is an idea that the province of Quebec, their delegate general at the time, uh, and I came up with during COVID. And uh, if you guys remember, COVID's over, by the way. I don't know if you saw that it was declared yesterday. It's over. Praise the Lord. Um, I don't know if you saw um, or you remember during COVID, but everybody was competing against each other. Jurisdictions were trying to get ventilators and get equipment and things like that. And in New England, the New England governors got together and said, we're going to buy in bulk because we're raising each other's prices. And Quebec said, we want to be part of that. Oh, please do bring in dessert. <laughs> um, and so... We wanted to encourage people to say, we're in this together between Canada and the United States, and not just New England and Quebec, but right across the board. So we started this campaign, North American Rebound, and it was the idea that we're going to help each other during COVID, um, but then we're also going to rebound our economy, because it's been a pretty rough couple of years when you think about supply chains and everything else. And so one of the first phone calls that I made is to Flavio to say, hey, can you be part of this rebound? And chambers of commerce, including the Gwinnett County Chamber of Commerce, Metro Atlanta Chamber of Commerce, hello, um, right across the country, right across the United States and Canada, all signed up for this and said, we want to say, 
that U.S. and Canada, we are in this together, whatever this is. And you were one of the first. The province of Ontario was very involved. So if you don't know about the North American rebound, uh, scan the QR if you'd like to. Uh, we already had enough videos, so we didn't want to show you another video, but please get involved. But Flavio, you were pretty involved also in um, marshalling the industrial forces uh, to help. So talk to us a little bit about that, and then we'll get back to your car. Thank you for that, because it's important. It ties into this car, and I, follow me on this little journey. Uh, March 2020, the world's falling apart, and we're seeing in all the different jurisdictions that make the PPE that we were convinced we needed and ventilators that we were convinced were life-saving devices, they were all saying we have export bans. And so... Uh, if everybody around the world has got the same problem at the same time, forget about this globalized supply chain. You're in trouble if you don't make this stuff. And I think we worked together with the Ontario government and then the federal government and said, okay, well, we've got 1,400 factories that make stuff. What do you need? And do you have the specs? Maybe we can do it. And I think everybody called our team crazy. And this, pointing at this crazy group here on the front here because we were all involved in this idea that car, we could convince auto parts makers to make uh, masks and gowns and ventilators and somebody famously with uh, uh, the CBC, which is the Canadian uh, national broadcast, said, well, car makers, parts makers can't make ventilators. Those are complex. I'm like, have you seen a car? <laughs> and so we did. In that first month, 165 parts suppliers on both sides of the border, companies like Martin Ray, I see Ganesh Iyer back there in the back. Uh, he's their head of tech right in the back. Uh, you know, he's a humble guy, but he won a couple of awards for this. They turned, uh, uh, they, they, they put their hand up and did it in Ontario and in Kentucky. And they made masks and helped made uh, ventilators together with General Motors. And they're on the arrow. You know, this, this what we did here, I think, is we had the biggest industrial uh, mobilization of Canada's manufacturing capacity in a non-war uh, period. But we reminded everybody at all levels of government, I think probably in both countries, because it was a really big effort here as well. There's a dignity in making things. And if we keep farming that out and you buy it from some places we think are not friendly, well, we don't farm out uh, our military procurement to China. And, uh, you know, the pandemic was at least our generation's major challenge. But everything we needed was in China. Shouldn't we make things here? Isn't it better to, to pay a little bit more, to source it locally, to have that security? And, I, and, and these auto parts makers in this room that made this electric car that you're going to see were, I think, probably 10 or 15 of the companies that were on this car were making medical goods for two, three months. That's, a, that's amazing uh, when you think about rising to that challenge and... and to preview a little bit, I don't want to steal thunder, but this this vehicle that you're going to see um, was debuted at the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas, um, but it was stationary. So it got a lot of coverage. Flavia was all over the news, all over the world, um, but it hasn't rolled anywhere yet until uh, you're about to see it for the first time. So that's exciting. And it has, uh, it's autonomous. It has the ability to be autonomous. It has, I mean incredible cyber defenses, which is something that you would want in today's day and age. 3D printed chassis. Yeah. yeah. It charges wirelessly. I don't know how that works. Anyway, pretty pretty interesting and phenomenal. Um, 
answer to a charge that was laid out, right? Yeah, the prime a minister. Call that was laid out. Yeah, the prime minister challenges us to look at what a what a what a zero net zero industry looks like at 2050, and I said 2050, I might not make it. So it's a good laugh. Colin's older than me, and so. I sat down with Colin and we said, we don't have that much time. Let's, this is 2020. We said, let's see what we can do by 2025. And um, the idea was zero emissions is table stakes. It's 100 years old. Uh, some of us played with radio control cars when we were kids. You got a fan in your room if you don't have air conditioning. That's an electric motor. A battery is a battery is a battery. Like, uh, Alessandro Volta invented that before uh, any of us uh, was around. And... Uh, what's more important is what does that enable? These high voltage platforms, connected, autonomous, the Internet of Things, the ecosystem, uh, how we charge, how we how we protect and monetize that data. So we said, let's let's make something uh, that isn't just it's a car. You're going to see it. It's a car. It works. We'll see. But <laughs> what it enables, including conversation, is actually more important. A gentleman over there that's seven foot three with. Uh, with the hat on, he's at a company called Telus, and the Canadians in this room know Telus because it's you know your phones. Telus, it's a phone company, y'all. But it's not in in the future conversation here. It's okay. Well, all these cars are are collecting and processing data, and that data is so um, deep and interesting and lucrative for companies that sell things, for governments that set policies. Uh, enabled by some of the other AI players and, and um, cyber players. Uh, the second tallest guy in the room is Bob Lyle over there with a, with a company called Cybeats. It's got this software bill of materials that says, okay, look, the mayor says he's going to put connected, uh, he's going to put the best 5G infrastructure in this place. Uh, it's going to enable this, this, this monetization of the data if you're willing to give it up as a, as a well, driver. Right. So, and, and it'll be protected by that technology and enabled by that one. And you might buy your car from TELUS. And Mercedes may have an agreement with the TELUSes around the world. And the car will cost differently because they bought the data in advance. And then we wonder how the hell we're going to afford these cars with these $25,000 batteries. Well, you're going to pre-sell the data to them. You're scaring me a little bit now. Let me, let me ask you a hard question here because I've been asking you easy ones. Is it about um, baseball? Uh, so I understand how an electric vehicle could get around Peachtree Corners. I can understand how it could get to Atlanta. I'm not sure how I could get it to a Bulldogs game in Athens, Georgia and back on one charge, although maybe I could. Um, probably couldn't get it down to Savannah uh, for St. Patrick's Day Parade. So the hard question, Flavio, is... Um, do you, how confident are you in North America that we will see the uh, charging infrastructure in time for people to take advantage of the tax credits to, uh, and to buy the cars and all of that? Is it going to happen? I'm not confident. But I know that if we are not, you know, go back to complimenting the regulators, we don't force the market in that direction. If we think that it's important, but we don't force the market in that direction, it's not going to go there. And so we won't get to 67% in 2032. In Canada, we said 100% by 2035. I laughed it out of the room. But if we don't say we're going to try, we're not going to get to 42. And when that market is there, then the, the pro forma works for the charging companies. And 
you know, we built a car that's got a battery in it, and everybody wants to know what the range is, and, you know, it's about range anxiety. Well, I think we designed this car. I'll talk more about the car when we're out there with the car, but all the companies in the room had a challenge. You need to help us on range. So if you're making something that weighs something that could weigh less, make it weigh less. If you're making something that draws electricity, make it draw less electricity. If you're going to design and engineer this car, and, uh, you know, we get down to the wheels. Ian's here from Fasco. If you can help us cheat the wind for another mile or two, tell me what that costs for that mile or two or ten is. And all of us have to be in that space. We can't answer that just simply by saying, where are the batteries? Can we make them higher density? And we'll get you to a game and back. So am I going to be able to... When, when am I going to know? Because I'm not going to buy the car unless I know I can take it to Savannah and back. Well, if you buy a Mercedes, without taking a week. do that now, right? I mean... I can get to I'm, Savannah and back in the Mercedes you're going to give me? In okay. style. In style. Okay, sounds good. Now, all right, so let me ask you the next hard question then. Um, so now you've got charging stations everywhere. Yeah. Um, but it's... I don't know if anybody realizes how hot it is in Georgia in the summertime. July and August is hot, and everybody's running the air conditioner because otherwise it's not really safe. It's kind of like it's cold in Canada in the winter. It's hot in Georgia in the summer. So let's say you do have charging stations from here to Savannah. Are they, is anybody from Georgia Power, Southern Company, any of the utilities here? There we go. Hello. Is all the energy going to get sucked into charging people's vehicles so that we have brownouts in the summer when it's hot? You can answer or you can answer. Up to y'all. I'd be interested to see what you say, but I'm going to say something complimentary to you. So you get a, you're getting a mulligan. You could take it now if you want. I know you should come speak to my board meeting on Thursday. I could use you. You're welcome. There we go. They're part of the equation. Georgia Power is part of the equation. And you can't regulate a market without bringing them into the conversation and then helping to solve for them all that incredible cost that it would take to take on that extra demand. And then really about predicting demand, you, you don't want to overbuild. And so we're going to see a lot of turbulence over the next few years. And uh, in some areas we'll overbuild, in some places we'll underbuild, and we're going to see adoption rates that kind of track that. Um, you know, and the car companies know that. Uh, they, you know, what we're probably going to see is a little bit of a la carte, just like it's really hot here. It's really cold where I'm from. That's why I have a beard. Men, women, and children wear beards <laughs> through March uh, in Toronto. In necessity. Quebec City is even worse. It's year-round. Louis, the only reason that that, uh, that you don't is because you spend too much time down here. And and that, that those, yeah, God bless <laughs> you. Those temperature extremes are the biggest challenge for for car companies and their battery suppliers and the, and, the, and the companies in this room that want to sell accessories that draw on that power. We don't know the answer yet. And it's not in the chemistry. It's in the ecosystem. Uh, and if the federal government here and the federal government in Canada want to put an incentive on purchase of EVs, and that's a big dollar item, uh, I'd love to see their reaction to the big dollar item on how much extra power infrastructure needs to be built, not just generation, but transmission. So, so Flavia, we're, we're coming to the end here a little bit. Um, I've got a couple more for you. Um, 
But, uh, you know, you're a pretty optimistic guy normally, and um, you're being quite realistic on stage, which is good. What are you worried about? Like, if you if you have something, you've got this exciting project, and, and we're going to see it and experience it for the first time, but, but what worries you? What keeps you up at night um, other than your kids' baseball stats? Wow. <laughs> I used to have a lot more hair before he started playing. Um, the difference between between optimism and realism is knowing that that um, when we don't meet targets and we push too hard or we don't push hard enough and somebody else meets the targets in front of us, people lose jobs. If If you don't push as a jurisdiction and you're competing against China that doesn't have to sell the idea that we should electrify. And by the way, not even from the right perspective. If I want to buy that market and we're vertically integrated, I got a 4,000 year arc, uh, my expectations on return are laughable and they beat us and they make great product and we buy it. And a lot of people who make cars and parts and systems and, and power systems in Georgia are going to not have a job. And um, that's, you got to find a balance. And, and like you said, we put our money where our mouth is. I'm very excited about what we're doing in electrification. I'm very excited about where Ontario and Quebec specifically are positioned. But I'm not naive to the fact that if we, if North America doesn't succeed, then we will fail because our entire market is the American market. 80% of what we make gets sold down here. Any loss in prosperity in, in our biggest market, and not just our biggest market, I mean, if you lost half that market, we'd all be out of business. So if you don't get it right here, and we got nothing. We just got a good beginning. And so we share the tech. Okay. Yeah. And so what about what makes you most excited? I think we have everything required. I'll just take my little sliver in, in vehicle technology. I think we got everything we need in North America to beat the hell out of the Chinese. We don't have critical minerals processing yet, do we, Consul General Hill? Hopefully Canada will help us with that. It's on the horizon. Quebec and Ontario are leaning into that. Canada's leading into it. But China processes 80%, depending on the mineral, 60 to 80% of the critical minerals in the world. So we don't have everything, do we, Flavio? We do. This, is, this question was, what are you excited about? So I'll let you continue. Because I just took you down the wrong path. No, no. This is, you're on the right path. If we focus on what the challenge is, is to, in this space, to beat the Chinese on this product, on, on, on the orientation of this product, and culturally how we deal with transportation. We are behind the Chinese, but we have what we need in the ground. Um, in Canada, we take 100 years to get a permit to get rocks out of the ground and to process them. Here, um, the federal treasury is now, uh, the, the, the current administration is, in the industrial policy in ways I would never imagined. We match the two, American capital with Canadian resources, and we commit, like we did at the beginning of the pandemic, to like, hey, by the way, let's not skip steps, but let's overlap some. We were making ventilators. Martin Rea was making vent ventilators. ABC was making ventilators in 45 days. What do we do? And this is important. We took um, American certifications, and American partners who are already down that path using their specs and said, look, if you've got a CDC, then you don't have to go to Ottawa. Will Ottawa accept American certification? We did. And so we can 
I'm excited. We can and we will be China. And maybe we need to lose a little bit to focus and say, hey, by the way, we can't wait 100 years. Can we get the stuff out of the ground in three to five years? Can we do it properly? Because it's incredibly disruptive to the environment. Then we should rise to the challenge. Absolutely. So um, it's amazing how quickly this has gone by. Uh, I have a couple of concluding remarks, but I want to give you um, one more opportunity. I know you're going to speak out there, and that'll be exciting, but is there anything else um, that I haven't asked you that you'd like to share, share with the class? Flavio? I coached the baseball teams for 30 years in Toronto, and a lot of the boys and girls were very good, you know, at the level where they should be uh, in, uh, you know, D1, D2 programs down here. But the front of their shirt said Toronto Cubs. And so a few years ago, a friend of mine said, well, you can borrow our shirts in Indianapolis, but you got to coach us here. And we said, why don't we bring a bunch of boys to Indianapolis four or five weekends a summer, go as a travel team and showcase them around the U.S. in the proper tournaments. Well, this place, East Cobb, I had a couple of kids at East Cobb. This place with PBR is, with all apologies to Florida, is the national capital for minor baseball. And you know you're sitting in Gwinnett County, right? I know. He but just you know did what? a shout out to Cobb yeah. County, y'all. I just want to, you know, I know you think you're complimenting the home team, but you got to work a little harder. Well, you cut me off before you came back around. I'll say. All right. I'll say. Uh, we used to have this incredible manager with the Toronto Blue Jays, Bobby Cox. And we didn't want to pay him right because we didn't have that culture in Toronto. And he won a division with the Blue Jays. We thought, well, how? Oh, my God, we're division winners. I was 10, and then he left. I came down here and showed everybody how it was done. He won 14. The exchange on the baseball exchange between Toronto and Atlanta is where I learned the path up and down the highway here. And I used to come on my own, and now I bring boys. Seven of those boys are going to be playing in the U.S. next year. It's because we decided that we were going to spend our summers here showcasing Canadian talent where people understand it. And we said that talent, doesn't matter if it comes from Toronto or Indianapolis or Atlanta, is good enough to compete on this stage with anybody. And uh, I, my son is graduating, he's a senior this year. I'll be doing this the rest of my life. And part of the reason why we said this is a no-brainer is because when, I, when Brendan came to see me, we just come back from Atlanta. We just came back from a tournament here. And I love this place. And I love this region. And everybody says how polite Canadians are. I'm not sure we're polite. I know my team. They're not always polite. I, Canadians are the nicest people in the world unless you're an American. Yeah. It's a true story. I'll end it with, I think you guys are all polite. I guess I'm supposed to say y'all are polite. But you guys are all polite here. And it's a pleasure, a pleasure to visit here and to spend time here and bring my family here and my extended family today. So thank you. Amazing. So... Um, on behalf of all of us, I want to say thank you. On behalf of the Canadian American Business Council, um, I want to say thank you to all of you for coming. Um, T-Mobile is in the room. T-Mobile, are you here? Hey, T-Mobile. Clint Odom is on our board of directors. So thank you, T-Mobile. UPS, are you in the room? UPS is on the guest list. They're coming later. Anyway, they're on our board of directors. So uh, if you're not involved in Flavio's organization or my organization, um, we'd love for you to get involved. Or you can be like James Hill and just follow us on social media because we overshare, I promise you. Um, but 
Flavio did uh, mention the real reason he's here, which is baseball. And um, all of this auto stuff is a pretext. And so I believe he's taking his team to the game tonight. And uh, with thanks to his friends, uh, I believe we need to make sure that he cheers for the correct team. And so in order to do that, we have a little presentation. First of all, we have a hat. Thank you. Perfect. Stand up. And we didn't wow. think he'd be outfitted properly, so we have wow. a little bit of a... So I, well, I, I want to thank you, team, and for Well, uh, but I'll just wear the shirt open, but with pride, absolutely. But somebody knows I have a big head, so thank you for the size on this one. Here you go. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Go Braves. Thank you. Well, I had a lot of fun, Chris. I was there. What did, what did you think listening in, fly on the wall? Oh, it was fascinating, Scotty. It really showcases all of the variety in Canada's manufacturing and innovation ecosystem that they could put together the entire vehicle from a concept all the way down to something rolling on the road. And I thought also that Project Arrow was a very evocative name. Some of our Canusa Street listeners will remember the attempt by the Canadian aviation industry to call, create something known as the Avro Arrow. You talked about that a little bit, but that was always seen, I think, by Canadians as an attempt to show that even in the world of fighter jets, a very competitive world, Canada could assemble uh, a cutting-edge design. And now you have the echo of that here with Project Arrow on the automotive space. And I, I think it's inspiring to hear the echoes of that historically from the past now in very much the 21st century. I think that's right. And Chris, we had a lot of fun with the walk-up music too. You know, I always love that. And I, I chose the song, All I Do Is Win, in honor of Flavio, because it feels like he is really on a roll. And the Canadian automotive industry, uh, the parts and pieces and innovation uh, is happening. I think the other piece of this that's really important, it's not, we didn't discuss it a lot in this particular podcast, but an event, but we, you and I have discussed it, and that's the broader supply chain, critical minerals and other, other elements that are really important in, in this carbon transition and the transition to a clean future. So we had a lot of fun. Sorry you weren't with us in Georgia, but we'll catch you next time. I think it would have been great to be with you, but I will not miss the next chance to talk about Project Arrow, nor will I miss another chance to be with you here on Canusa Street. I love it, whether you're on the road or with me here. Uh, always great chatting with you. Always fun, my friend. We'll see you next time. This podcast is brought to you by the Canadian American Business Council and the Wilson Center. If you like this episode, help others find our show and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.